Hi, this is Danielle Krissa from The Jaws Curator, and this is episode 197 of Art for Your Ear. So, who knows what an NFT is? Well, I didn't until last week, and now I can't stop saying non-fungible, non-fungible, fungible, kind of rolls off the tongue, even if you have no idea what it means. <laughs> Anywho, yes, there's been a lot of talk in the art world this week about NFTs. All right, fine. I decided I'd better do some research, given that my first guest for NFT was no fluffy towels. Spoiler alert, that was not correct. So I read a lot of articles, scrolled through a bunch of Instagram posts, and then got a really bad migraine. Here's the short story about what's going on. Art that only exists in digital form is selling for millions of dollars via cryptocurrency. Okay, that was the really, really short story. Well, once my headache subsided, I reached out to my hilarious and tapped into all things newsworthy friend, American artist Trey Spiegel. I'd seen on Facebook that he was about to dip his toe into the NFT pool, so I messaged him immediately and asked him to come on the podcast and give us the inside scoop. We recorded the first half of this conversation on Tuesday, pre a whole bunch of stuff. For example... On Wednesday, Trey's freshly minted NFTs would be going up for sale. Then on Thursday, an artist known as Beeple would be the first digital artist to have his work auctioned at Christie's. And finally, on Friday, we'd hit record again to talk about what happened or didn't happen. Because let's face it, this is all brand new and kind of weird, and neither of us had any idea what might happen. It's the future happening in real time, people. It's the future. Okay, so quickly, before we jump into this futuristic crypto episode, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who's become an official member of the No Such Thing as Too Much Art Society. I basically had a two-day panic attack, (laughs) no joke, leading up to flipping the switch, but between all of your subscriptions and the countless encouraging messages you sent, I was able to take a deep breath and feel really excited and proud of this new venture. Oh, and I'm sourcing places to have club badges made because let's be honest, it's all about the merch. So starting this Monday, March 15th, my site that I've been posting to every day for the past 12 years will become an archive for past posts and a place where the weekly podcast posts will continue to be shared. All of the new daily artist feature posts along with other tidbits like creative jumpstarter, show info, art movie recos, etc., will be sent to society members directly. That's right. For just $3 per month, the cost of one tall latte at your local Starbucks, you too could have fresh, artsy content delivered directly to your inbox every Monday through Saturday. Join today! How was that? That was my sales pitch slash really bad ad from the 70s. Okay, so just a quick note. On the back end of this whole newsletter thing, it would not let me charge less than $5 a month. But I could sneak my whole $3 price of a latte plan in there by making the yearly rate $36. Sneaky, yes? Anyway, Either one works for me, but the yearly subscription ends up saving you $24 in the long run. 
Anyway, like I said last week, this is way too much math for an art podcast. If you want to subscribe, just visit thejealouscurator.com or you can find a direct link in my Instagram profile. All right, time to put the fun in non-fungible. <laughs> Calling Trey Spiegel in upstate New York. Trey, you're back on Art for Your Ear. I, I am. I um, The last time I talked to you, we, we were talking about my platinum status and <laughs> that I... The last time it, I had done it three times, but you told me that Martha Rich was was nipping at my heels. I think she's passed you now. H- how many times has she done it? I think four times because I just had her on for um, paint chips, which is my latest I, thing. I listened to that one. <laughs> Grossing everybody thinking, up with our chips. Yeah, I was thinking, well, so now we're even. Yes. Okay. All Do right. you feel well, better about that? Um, I, you know, I could share it with Martha. I'm fine. I, 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 Martha's great. We're not in any competition, but whoever gets to five gets the t-shirt or the jacket or the, well, I think Ashley Longshore is at five. What? Yeah. So she might be getting some sort of bedazzled cape. I don't know. Talk about a pod hog. I, mean, I know. I know. Right. I... <laughs> that girl can talk. She sure can. Imagine you two. Uh, we well, you know we never met. I, t- I told you, I think once before either in private or on on the podcast that the Novogratz had um, done this pop-up in the city a couple of years ago and we were supposed to do it together. You um, and Mark, you and um, Ashley? Yeah. Oh. And, well, it, kind of at the same time. And then, you know, World of Wonder, I write for the WOW Report and World of Wonder that produces RuPaul's Drag Race and documentaries and Million Dollar Listing, blah, blah, blah. Um, they, I think they're, she was at their offices and they took a picture and sent it to me um, because they're doing something with her. I don't know if it's for wow presents plus, which is their like streaming service or what, oh. hmm. but they're, yeah, um, she's, she's a very busy lady. She's trying to blow up my space. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We might have to put you two in a ring. I'd pay, I'd pay to watch that. Actually, that would be hilarious. No, maybe There's should, TV for you. Maybe we should be on <laughs> together. Um, but then she'd still be ahead of me. True. Yes. No, we'll have to have you one more time just to tie, tie things up. Make it yeah, even. Okay. I don't want anyone feeling sad. Yeah, well, we're going to follow up with this too to see if this this thing takes off. Yes, we are. So um, for everybody listening, Trey has been on, yeah, three times, I think. We are going to get into the craziness of the changing art world because it is changing as we are recording this. So, But before we do all of that, um, I want to give a little recap into who Trey is and your background and the kind of work that you do so that we can catch everybody up and then we will um, get into current events. So I first, love to be summed up. So let, I, yeah, I, let's I sum you up like, you, like one sentence. Up? <laughs> oh God. How do I sum you up? Well, that's, I don't know if I could throw a few words. It's like paint by numbers, Lamont. Um, My dog. Your dog Lamont. I have a question about Lamont too. Should I start there? I'm going to start with this and we'll work our way back. First of all, so Lamont just turned 16. He did. Um, Did you have Lamont from a puppy? Yeah, from eight weeks. He was like (gasps) a mouse. Okay, so I was just talking to Greg about this. I would like to see a picture of baby Lamont. Oh, I've got a really cute one. I mean, he really is like a mouse. (laughs) 
<laughs> because he's kind of like a crazy mouse now, like a scraggly little monster mouse. Right. And I can't even imagine what he looked like when he was a baby. Well, they have, some, you know, he's a Brussels Griffon. So they have um, the rough coat actually have two coats. So there's a smooth coat underneath the rough coat. So oh. he was smooth and looked more pug-like uh, when he was a, a little mouse. Puppy. Oh, and then uh, and out then came the fur coat. Yeah, it grows in and then you can strip their body. And, you know, actually when you brush them, it kind of pulls the hair out. Oh. But, um, but you can, you, yeah, you can strip them or whatever, but he's never, he's never, I mean, we can talk a, a whole podcast about Lamont, but he's <laughs> never been bathed. Um, he doesn't get shampooed, which when dogs have hair, I think, and they're little, it's a mistake to do that because it washes off the natural oils oh. and they're self-cleaning. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, because it's like you, you wash them and then you strip off the oils and then they get dirty because it's stripped off. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're supposed to wash wiener dogs, but we never, we rarely gave them baths and they don't need it. They like, they're, I think it's no. here too. And then no, they're they nice don't. and shiny and beautiful and they don't smell. My dog actually smells kind of like, sometimes he smells like honey and other days he smells like Doritos. Yeah, my, it depends on what you're eating. Um, yeah. <laughs> that might have something to do with it. But um yeah, anyway, there you know, nobody's shampooing animals in the wild. So I mean true, they, excellent point. The also- only reason I brought this up was so that I would have an excuse to show a picture of Lamont and so that I would get to see a picture of him as a baby. That's it. <laughs> okay. We can move on. I just really wanted an excuse to put that in there. Okay, okay, so let's go back. We don't have to go back to when you were a, a tiny mouse baby. But um <laughs> I know that your your the art in you sort of awakened during high school, right? When you were doing the high school newspaper and stuff like that? Um yeah, I, I was born I was born in Texas and um uh, you know, according to my mother, it was, you know, like having an alien baby. She did not know what to do with me. I was I was quite um set in my ways really early on. Um, and I was, uh, by the time I got into high school, I was in theater, of course, um, young gay boy in Texas, uh, (laughs) you know, gravitates toward theater. You're like, okay, it's either going to be football or theater. Which should I do? Well, it was not, I I was in a 4A school. I was in a big school. There were like 3000 kids in the school, you know, so it, um, and so I was in the, I was in the theater, uh, group and then the director and I, I guess kind of had a disagreement in my junior <laughs> year. I was like being set up to be the lead actor for my senior year. And then, um, toward the end of the junior year, I was cast as head of makeup. I wasn't even cast in the play. Ouch. And it was like, a, everyone was, it was a scandal. I was like, it was a shock. And so, and his name was Mr. Honeycutt. Um, and he had, his claim to fame was that he um, had dated Sandy Duncan, who played like Peter Pan and all. Anyway, so I, I left drama and I went to um, the journalism department because uh, I kind of had this crush on a girl, mistakenly. And um, <laughs> we had, I didn't, unbeknownst to me, we, they built a new library and they turned the old library into the journalism department. And they spent in the 70s, $250,000 doing this, supposedly. 
um, which was a lot of money. And I thought, hey, cool, this is great. Come to find out years later, we had won all of these awards and I was the art director and the advertising director of the yearbook and the newspaper and my best friends were the editors of both of those. I'm still friends with my advisor and she basically let us run the class. It wasn't even a class. It was just like we were in there doing everything. Wow. And the reason we got this quarter of a million dollar department was because we were like, like state stars. We won all these awards. Wow. So, and I didn't know that at the time my head would, my ego would have been huge if I had known that, you know, but it, it was like we were a winning football team or something. Right. But, you know, winning first place in state and advertising and, you know, design. And I was the art director. So I was copying Rolling Stone at the time. Cool. Um, and each issue had a theme and uh, the yearbook had a theme and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this advisor of uh, Diane Stafford was this kind of like, Joan Baez, like kind of, you know, hippy dippy, like long blonde hair with bracelets and dressed really cool and just saw that she had these kids who she didn't need to teach anything to. So she just edited our copy. Wow, and we, that's so cool. And we assigned the stories and we assigned the photographs and we designed everything. So in my, um, in my senior year, my best friend and I were on the other side of town and we found in grocery store simultaneously we found this magazine called houston city magazine and it was started up by a bunch of former editors from texas monthly so it was very much like new york magazine but for houston um and we went there and said give us jobs so they hired us for 285 an hour and i was working in the production department and after about two months the production director just quit and i was the production i was the production director at and i was 17 when i first started oh my god and Have i was you still even in finished high school. high school yet i hadn't finished high school yet i just oh started god. and then then i started working there and by the time the francois de manil who was this art family uh sky and from the manil collection in houston he bought the magazine and brought these editors down from new york at that at 19 i was the art director of the magazine and um, they told me all about New York and uh, Keisha Keeble had worked for Diana Vreeland. Um, so long story short, anyway, I ended up in New York working for, for Vogue and for Vanity Fair and a series of magazines um, starting in, in the early 80s. I started at Vogue in 81, that's how old I am. Um, <laughs> did you think when, like, did you ever have plans of New York was, or was that even on your radar when you were a teenager? I I don't know that I knew what was going on, but they, right. they sort of opened my eyes and said like, you gotta get out of here. Like, this is not, you're not gonna be doing anything working for a magazine. Like, cause they're sending me photographs of Bruce Weber and all these famous photographers. And we did a Philip Johnson story and he called me on the phone and, you know, so I'm doing all this stuff and I'm, it, it's sort of like the rest of my life. You're sort of, you know, you want to do something and you plan on it, but you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You kind of have to ride the wave. <laughs> right. And yeah. I met somebody in Houston who had just come from New York and he gave me a list of people to see who became all my best friends who were totally plugged in to the East Village scene. And so, you know, I met Keith Haring when I went to dance at Tyrion. He was a bus boy and wow. Kenny Scharf and, you know, this whole series of artists Club 57 and Magnuson, the Pyramid, um, 
when working for magazines, they had all this, they had a Polaroid closet where you could get Polaroid film to supposedly take pictures for the magazine or document something, but I would just take piles of it and go to nightclubs and photograph, you know, people. So I, I have a show coming up this summer of all my 80s Polaroids, which nobody has ever really seen. So cool. Um, I know. So there, it's like a little peek into this. It's like, a, they're like a time capsule. It was, yeah. you know, everything was kind of happening at once. And of course, you know, and then pretty early on, uh, you know, AIDS came in and people started dying and there was a great fun aspect of the 80s and, and all of this stuff that was happening. And then at the same time, people were getting sick and dying, yeah. you know, every other week. And so a lot of those people moved away from the city. A lot of them left, you know, their bodies and yeah. weren't there anymore and kind of became legend. I mean, you know, famously... Andy died in 87, um, you know, Keith died in 90. I think, I think Jean-Michel died in 88. Yeah, um, it's crazy. So, yeah, so it, it was a it was a kind of wild time and I was like very uptown downtown. So I was working at fancy magazines and all my friends were like drag queens and bartenders and performance <laughs> artists and artists. Um, and I did produce shows at the pyramid and I did do stuff downtown I, I, and I was making no money. Um, I mean, I was working for a, a fancy magazine, but I started out at Vogue at $12,000 a year. Wow. Um, and I left Vanity Fairly pay, being paid $18,000 a year. So, but I worked for art galleries. I did a lot of design work for art galleries after I left and kind of started my own business. Um, so I knew a lot of artists, um, and I worked, you know, for Holly Solomon and, um, mm. and Costelli and Pat Hearn and. Well, and so during all of that, you were thinking of yourself as a designer, right? Like you, were you thinking of yourself as an artist? Well, I started making work, uh, when I was in Houston, I had made this show called Repop, which was basically war taking Warhol's. Um, ideas of celebrity and applying it specifically to Houston. Okay. So I had like a hundred Shamrock Hilton hotels and- This is when you I, were in Houston? When I was in Houston, but I, oh, no. I, I, was, I came back from New York and I was in Houston for a little while. So that oh, was okay. my first show in 81. Okay. And there was a, um, a, a famous socialite who's still around called Carolyn Farb. So I made, while I was at Vogue, uh, she commissioned a painting and I made- kind of a replica of Warhol's Gold Marilyn, which is her image silkscreened in the field of gold, mm -hmm. in a big painting, a field of gold, which Philip Johnson owned and, and now MoMA has. But so I made a gold Carolyn. Um, so, I, and that then in the, in the 80s, I started making word art, like, and sending and making these postcards that really are the same kind of verbiage that I use in my work now. Mm -hmm. So like new happy now and yes. And I had been following Florence Chauvel's shin and, um, and there's, there was this whole thought of divine mind. So a lot of it was um, law of attraction and positivity and attracting mm -hmm. things to you. Like um, uh, I release the past and go forth with enthusiasm um, it's now or now. Um, <laughs> uh, so a lot of, I, so I was making word art. I was making like sewn banners 
And at that, in the late eighties, I met Michael O'Donohue, who was the head writer of Saturday Night Live. Um, and he had this small paint by number collection and we, we became good friends. I would visit him in Ireland. And he said, you know, I might want to show these paint by numbers. So I got my friend to uh, do a show and he wrote a press release and I started working with paint my number and started making my fir first collages. And then that was 92. So he died in 94 and his widow gave me his collection, which was about 200. Um, and then the Smithsonian got in touch with me after that. They had heard of the collection and I had grown it quite a bit to like 500 or more. So uh, 20 years ago, this next month, they had a retrospective of Paint by Number. Mm -hmm. um, and I got a lot of publicity for my collection. Um, and uh, that was kind of the beginning of me starting to make work with it. Um, How did you feel um, making work? Like, did you actually, so you had the paint by numbers. Did you actually work on top of the things or did you replicate, like, did you replicate well, them started, so that you could save them? It started out using the vintage original unpainted ones in kits and doing them smaller. Okay. And, and then those sometimes were made, put in shadow boxes and made into other pieces. You'll see on my website, there's a thing called shadow boxes and that's a lot of the early work with, mm. um, so it's using the paint by number that, so I block out the background and paint in, I block out the words and paint in the background and leave the words unpainted. Right. Um, and then I would start to, then I um, got an assistant about 15 years ago and she and I worked out a way to redraw the line work and renumber um, mm. Painting, so I, I basically recreate them, and sometimes I tweak the palette or crop them or change them a little bit. Right, um, and then you can make them whatever size you want. Yeah, the technique has changed over the years, and I also have done all sorts of other things. So I use the ephemera, and I make collages. I've actually used uh, a hydraulic press to cut them into like tiles. So I make grid collages of those, and. Um, I've taken the line work and silk screened it on painted backgrounds. And so I have your sundress. Oh, right. You do have that. I forgot. <laughs> I, I do. I took have. it to Venice with me so that I could have a little bit of Trace Beagle with me as I, you know, walked along the Grand Canal. You have a flower. I need a picture of that. So, um, <laughs> you have a, it's the flower one. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, so I made this collection with print all over me where they can digitally print the fabric and then sew it into like a hundred different versions of things. And so we made this little capsule collection. Yeah, um, it was so That's good. a one of a kind. I mean, nobody, I mean, uh, I, some of those things have been, I've archived some of them, but I need to. Um, I need well, to next time I see you, I'll bring it. You can sign it and then it'll be really one of a kind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or I could just. <laughs> I could just send you a label that you could sew into it that's signed. No, no, that's not the same. Really? I'm going to come to the barn and you can write on it while I'm There wearing... is no more barn. <gasps> what? You I sold, sold the it. barn? I sold the barn. What? I thought you were, I thought you, you know, I didn't really announce it on, we we talked to each other on Facebook more than in, on, in person. But, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I sold it in October. Oh my God, where do you live? I'm living in the studio which has a little kind of apartment and I'm, um, I'm building a place in Mexico. Oh, in that town that you love? 
In Merida, yeah. O-M-A-G. Yeah, I've been working with the architect. I'm in the process of getting the Mexican government to approve the, the sale because it's a whole thing you have to do. Yeah. And um, there's a bonus lot kind of behind the house that has a separate street entrance. And I want to build a gallery and a studio and uh, do an artist residency. Oh, so my God. Come down and make work and then show it in the gallery. Um, that's where I'll be wearing my sundress. Thank you yeah. very much. Oh, oh Merida is great for that. So what so, are you going to do? Are you going to live like half the year? Yeah, kind of half, like more five months there and seven months here. Okay. So Wow, that's so exciting. I thought we had caught up on this part. I don't think we, well, clearly we have not. We <laughs> <laughs> Unless I had some sort of like <laughs> lapse in memory, but that is super exciting. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, I know you good. love it down there. Every time you go, like you just seem like you're in your happy place. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful old colonial town. It's about 40 minutes from the beach. It's three hours west of Cancun and sort of north of Tulum. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the Yucatan Peninsula, so there's the Mayan culture. There's beautiful colonial architecture. The food's amazing. The people are great. I'm studying Spanish. Oh my Just gosh, it sounds mild. so great. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy for you. Well, there's a podcast. Yeah, there's a, yeah, we'll do it from there, <gasps> from the gallery. Oh my, there's well, a residency. Oh God, it's all coming together. It's so funny because the gallery in New York is on Route 52. So it's called Gallery 52. And I realized the other day when I was working with the architect and I was working on the plan, I don't have the money to build the gallery now, unless this NFT thing really takes off. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but the street that, it, it the street streets are called Calle. So the, the street entrance for the gallery is Calle 25. It's the <gasps> inverse. Oh, God. It's the universe. I know. And I'm big on numbers, too. So, um, so, I'll, so yeah. So, I have a little... Uh, my gallery is on Artsy. And um, I, I'll, have, I'll be able to do shows there and here. Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, speaking I of think. which, one of my pieces is on your Artsy page. Let's try and sell it right now. Oh, let's do. There's it, a lot of boobs. It's from the um, Woodstock Stonewall and Moon Landing show called uh, 6919. Yeah. Yeah. I was so happy to be part of that. And you let us, there was a bunch of us and you let us sort of pick because it was a very monumental year. Like it was an anniversary of all those things. And we got to pick. So I picked Woodstock as yeah. my thing. And uh, it is a, I forget how big the panel is, 24 inch panel? It's it's about, yeah, it's about two feet in diameter. Yeah. And it's just covered in boobs, collage boobs, boobs painted boobs, gouache boobs, washy boobs. And because um, it was With all about 3D nipples. Yeah. Because it was about, uh, I think the title is something like um, the love it was free, but that was not the fate for the effing nipple. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm so, I love that piece. Yeah, I do too. I still have it here. We were going to do a trade, but we have to figure out if we can sell it, we'll do that. Okay. Somebody um, go buy it. Okay, there. It, I, there's my promotion of my own work on your episode. It's oh, artsy.net uh, slash gallery underscore 52. There you go. I'll put a link in the post too. And oh, okay. uh, maybe we'll have a bidding war. Speaking of, of oh, art yeah. selling in a heartbeat for lots of money. Um, okay, so that, okay, we're catching up. Now I'm learning things about Mexico. Very exciting. Um, okay, are you ready to talk about all the stuff I do not understand? Uh, I, I am. Um, 
it's another one of those weird life things. So a week ago, last Tuesday, um, I get a phone call from a 310, which is Los Angeles number at like night. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not answering that. I don't know what that is. And then I get a text. Oh, hi, I'm trying to hook you up my brother about this project he's working on. And I, I you know, I was like, who this? <laughs> you know, I was like, <laughs> I, I, I didn't, I didn't have them in my address book. So it was my old art dealer in Chelsea. It was his ex-wife. And so the person who's doing this project is her brother. Okay. And so it came to me like out of the blue and we talked about launching this collection. We completed the artwork. I got the contract. I had a lawyer read it. We've now worked on the social media and it's launching tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And what is launching is what needs to be explained. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this, this is going to go up. This will be on Saturday. So we are talking right now on Tuesday. It's going up on Wednesday. By Saturday, we'll know what has transpired. So we're going to have you, I'm going to have you back on. So this is going to be a time warp for people that are listening because it's already happened. But right now, Tuesday, we have no idea. So the, the key to this is three little letters, NFT, which when you sent that to me the other day, I think I wrote back and said, no fluffy towels. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is. I was like, no fucking turtles. I, I don't know. What, like, what are you sending me? I did not know that that was like a week ago. And now that is like all the news in the art world, NFT, crypto stuff. Art. Art. Crypto art. Okay. Tell me about it. I read that well, article you sent me and I mean, it kind of helped. I also got a migraine well okay so it's pre it's it's not it's not so complicated so um, no, it's not complicated it's just weird yeah it, it's a little weird so th okay. this is a kind of basic way to understand it so a lot of things um get traded around online and um and and nobody really owns them you know they can get copy and pasted whether it's a gif or a single image um in particular, I've always thought that the performing arts were overcompensated for their contribution <laughs> to the arts. If you listen to somebody's song, hey, I want a nickel, I want a quarter, I want $5. Right. If you look at my painting, it's free. Right. Um, so so NFTs are um, crypto art and they are bought, sold, and traded with cryptocurrency like Bitcoin or... Um, Ethereum is another one. Bitcoin is the biggest. Um, and of course, everybody kind of knows about that. Um, Elon Musk has invent, invested, you know, billions in it. And uh, Mark Cuban is a big proponent of it. Hmm. In fact, some of the big banks like Citibank are now saying that cryptocurrency might become the way to transmit money internationally um, because it is... With, with blockchain, which is another thing to understand what it is, but basically it's a way of encrypting something where you can't fudge it. And NFT stands for non-fungible token. Catchy. Right. Yeah, what, is a, what does fungible mean? <laughs> you know, like fungible is like can't, can't fuck with it. Oh, okay. Love it. Non-fungible. Well, fungible non, is can't fuck with non it. Non-fuckable tokens. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, um, 
but yeah, but fuckable is, is that would have that would have been even more confusing. Right. So, um, <laughs> so what's happened is there are um, there are things that are happening right now, like this artist called Beeple um, has been making a new piece of art every day since 2007. And he has an auction at Christie's where there's an enormous collage of all of those pieces. But they're all um, digital, right? That is for auction. And it's gonna end, I think it ends to, in two days. It ends on the 11th. So we okay. will know what the final result is, but I'll look right now and see what the, um, I was gonna pull this up before we talk to each other, but, um, I'll see what it, last time I think it was at one, 3.4 million or 3.5 million. For the full lot. For, it's one piece of digital art. It's one of one. And there's no physical representation of what it, oh my God. What's it at? 9,750,000. Holy crap. It's tripled the last. Wait, for one of the things? What? Or for, for one Thing? It's one digital image that you own. For nine point whatever? 9.75 million. Oh. It's auctioned at Christie's. It's the first NFT that Christie's has auctioned. Um, Grimes, who's Elon Musk's girlfriend, yeah. um, did a sale the other day, which I sent you the link to. Um, yeah. And she sold $6 million worth of work, which was like a baby in space with a sword and music. <laughs> and, um, and made yeah, she made $6 million in like 20 minutes. I want to make $6 million in 20 minutes. <laughs> How do I do that, Trey? <laughs> everyone, everyone wants to make six million. So this is the thing. So this, the, the, the thing um, that I'm working with or the people I'm working with, um, it's, a, it's essentially a gallery called Yo No Mints. Um, and you can find them on Instagram, you know, at Yo No Mints. Um, yeah, and I'll put all that in there too so people can just click on it. Yeah, and so they're a gallery and they're getting real world artists to make art. There's, and anybody can, can make these NFTs, however they have to be minted. So there's a special kind of coding and encryption. So you can't just like throw up a, a GIF or a, you know, a JPEG and sell it for a billion dollars. Right, and so who mints it, the, the gallery? The gallery has a company, there, there, are, there are places that mint them. Okay. So they, you have to have a relationship with them. My pieces are primarily GIFs. Um, so I, I, the work that I'm making, I wanted it to, first of all, I had to digest what this was and see what they wanted to do. And then I, I make a lot of mock-ups of for paintings and I have ideas in floating around. So I went back and looked at some things and I had um, I had some pieces that made sense to me with this particular form. Right. Um, so one one was copy paste to to the same image, copy paste. And it kind of uh, toggles back and forth. Yeah, it, it's a gif that goes back and forth copy paste and it's kitty cats. And sure. uh, and then there's one that says real fake. Um, and then I have another one, which is just a line, really complicated line drawing of cats, um, that says, um, image available upon request. And then it flips to image not found. Um, Love it. I like that one. I like them all, but I like that. Yeah, that, uh, that one. And there's no image. I mean, there's just line work, so you can't really yeah. see anything. And then the, that, that same image, um, 
I have a painting, which is a diptych, uh, one panel on top of another that says, why can't you just be nice? Um, and it's kitty cats also. Uh, there was another piece from my political animal show, which was all cats and dogs, mostly cats. And uh, it says grab, and then it flips to let go with a different image, mm. which is which relates to Trump. And if you think about other names for cats, then you'll understand kind of what. <laughs> what. Oh, I see what you're doing there. I've put it all together now. And I, I had, you know, when I had the show on Governor's Island, that those paintings were up and the kids came in and really loved all the kitty cats and dogs and stuff. Yeah. And they could look at that painting and it's not like it said fuck on it, you know. Or, or, right. What's yeah. a grab? You know, it was... That, and I and some people got it, and other people I had to kind of nudge them into getting it. But right. I, you know, I like it to not be too in your face. Um, and then there was another piece that I did years ago, which was two of the same paint by number of a black and white kitty cat on a pink and turquoise background. One painted perfectly, and the other painted like maniacally, impressionistically <laughs> bad. And Michael O'Donoghue, who I inherited the paint-by-number collection from, when people would say to him, have a nice day, he'd say, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> so that, this, this piece was always titled that, but now it's a GIF and it has the text on it in black. Oh, that's amazing. See, and that should up the value because it's got such a great story behind it. It does, but when you see it, you don't know that necessarily. So some of this backstory stuff, if you know it, it's great, but it also has to work just as a you know, as right. a snarky gif that somebody, you know, looks at. But, um, and then there's a, there was another one from the Political Animals show, which was one of the weirdest paint by numbers ever. It's two kitty cats in a room, an empty room, and they're facing a canvas. You can't see the canvas, but they're looking at you. They're looking at the camera, the viewer. And so I took that image, I cleaned it up, retouched it, and then I flopped it. So it looked like four cats fa facing two paintings. Mm -hmm. And the text says it was all a dream. Um, so the way that GIF will work, it'll be the left side, it'll open like a book, and then the text, it was all a dream, will fade up. Um, so cool. So how many are there in total? There's eight. There's another one, which is sort of like my signature token, um, which there'll be more available of, uh, and that is my You Are Here painting. Oh, okay. Um, which Microsoft owns, and I've, I've used in a bunch of different ways. It's for sale as a print on Twyla. Um, you know, in some cases, people, some of this art is just going to exist as an NFT, and some of it exists in the real world or could exist in the real world if I want to make a painting. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there is a, a line of thinking that if there's a physical art that it devalues the NFT. So this consortium bought a Banksy um, for almost a million dollars and they made a video burning it. And so now they'll sell the NFT of the Banksy and also the video of the burning Banksy. And I bet the video will go for more. Yeah, you wonder. Yeah. But it's, you know, you remember the auction a few years ago where Banksy had his famous painting of the girl with the heart balloon. Yeah. And after the hammer went down and it sold for 1.4 million or whatever, the painting self-shredded. Yeah. <laughs> Except for that it didn't work and it only halfway shredded it. So it may, it actually they said it actually made the piece more valuable because you can see the top half and the bottom yeah. half is shredded. Yeah. 
it's actually much cooler. <laughs> it's very, I mean, it's yeah. like, but it, it, it live shredded at the auction. Yeah. Now, that's, which is cool in itself. Like that's how the, how they, who activated it, how the auction house didn't know about it. I wrote about it at the time. And of course, like all things Banksy, it was all very muddled of, of what was the, you know, who was in on it and who, how it happened. So, so crazy. I love all that stuff. I just think, and you know, this is so interesting to me because my whole career um, up until starting Jealous Curator, well, and even I was still working full time until a couple of years ago, I have been a web designer and my entire portfolio. So like I went to art school and I made stuff with my hands. Then I went to design school in 96 and learned how to be a website designer as the internet was born. And so my whole design portfolio exists in the ether and most of it no longer exists because those sites have been redesigned or changed or the company is gone or, you know, whatever. Um, So my whole portfolio doesn't exist. Well, it's kind of part of the reason I started making art again was that I wanted to hold a thing because, and so it's just so interesting because like, man, now, like I still have all those skills. It's like, okay, well, should I go back to my roots and become a millionaire? Yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean it, uh, this is, these are all, all of these different mediums, you know, it's really like I used to be a magazine designer. So, and I, I have a extensive portfolio of 25 years worth of work, not just in magazines, but art catalogs and logos and just a whole nother career that I just put the brakes on. Now I use, I, now I do that stuff myself. Mm, so yeah. for myself. Um, and, and so those skills come in kind of handy, but I, I mean, to, what, to relate it to my work specifically, I, I I consider Paint by Number kind of like the largest conceptual art project ever. I mean, it, 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 they made all these kits and then they said, here, make paintings. Well, are they all original art? Are they copies? Who's the author? Who's the artist? Um, I know much, I know a lot about the history of it, but my work is really about that, uh, about authorship and um, commodification and creativity and that phrase which we've talked about before the Jasper Johns of take something do something to it do something else to it mm-hmm. um, and so so to me I took a craft and turned it into the to my art and and my work I think is pop conceptualism and and I think NFTs really are conceptual art because you know, from Duchamp's urinal to Warhol's Brillo boxes to Maurizio Catalan's banana tape to a wall, um, uh, you know, conceptual art is the art of the idea. It's not about the object. It's about the idea. Right. And, and so we, I mean, we're still arguing about, you know, what is art? That's not, that's art. That's not art. But art is whatever the artist says it is. Yeah. And accept that it, for for me, it needs the viewer to be activated, right? And so, if it's a Brillo box and it's in a store, it's just a Brillo box. But if Andy signs it, it relates back to his work, and you know. So this idea of NFTs, everyone's like, "Oh, it's not real. You you can't hold it in your hands." Well, you know that is the art of the object, um, and so people want a thing 
So to pay nine, $10 million for something that's not a thing, um, you know, a lot of billionaires buy really expensive multi-million dollar art and it's in a warehouse storage insured, not right. on the wall that could catch on fire in their house. Right, right. So, um, I, you know, it just expands the idea of, of, of what art is. And, you know, for a lot of people that um, art is, you know, fine art is a painting. And, you know, the auction houses still really agree with that. You know, what sells for the most is, you know, a painting. And now, uh, you know, post, you know, contemporary art really has surpassed the old masters and impressionism in right. value. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, I mean, yes, a Van Gogh is, and yes, a Picasso, and yes, a lot of other artists, but there are plenty of people who are, you know, supplanting major artists of 50 years ago um, with, with what people are willing to pay for their work. And someone like Cause, um, you know, he makes paintings and has gallery shows and museum shows, but he also still makes collectibles and also, you know, and started out as a street artist, you know, so his view of the art world is expanded, whether you like his work or not. Um, it, it, he, he sees that it's all, it's all in play mm -hmm. and that well, you can make a, you know, an object um, or an NFT. It's really cool. That's why I'm so glad we're having this conversation because, um, you know, I was, I was thinking like in even five years, are we going to listen to this episode and be like, oh, that was a flash in the pan and went nowhere? Or yep. will it be like, wow, that it's so funny because now it's just commonplace and listen to these guys talking about it as though it's this, you know, like landing on the moon. And now it's just the way that the world works. Like it's so, we are literally, you we're know, still, we're still going to be arguing about it and it's still pissing oh, yeah. a lot of people off because <laughs> I mean the banana tape to a wall. I mean, that started it all over again. It's yeah. like, that was like, okay, now we've just, you know, it's the emperor's <laughs> new clothes. There is no art anymore. This is garbage. And you can be of whatever mind you like about this. But I was telling my friend the other day who dropped by my studio and we stood outside and talked with our masks on. But um, he said that years ago, his roommate in Brooklyn was like, Oh, there's this thing called Bitcoin. You should really buy it. It's 19 cents. You know, you should just just buy some of it. Just buy, just put some money into it. Did he buy any? No. What is Bitcoin selling for today? Fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. And there's only 21 million bitcoins. Really? So they're not making any more. They can't. They they. It's it's set at. You know, so it'll be a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars for a Bitcoin or whatever, or it'll all go bust or whatever. But that's the way Bitcoin is working. So, like everything else that rises to the top, the next thing is like, well, I can't afford Bitcoin, but I can buy Ethereum because that's seventeen hundred dollars. So hmm. I can buy Ethereum, or and there's a million other kinds of uh, cryptocurrency too, which may or may not, you know, be devalued in the future. And then somebody, uh, I posted about this the other day on uh, Instagram. I put um, NFT WTF because I was trying to understand it. That's why you <laughs> sent me the article because I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And um, this is actually very helpful. I'm figuring it out now. So thank you. Um, 
but a bunch of people commented and said that cryptocurrency is terrible for the environment. And I, do you know anything about that? I didn't get that because uh, I was like, if it's ethereal, like, isn't it like, I don't get how it's. Uh, apparently the minting itself, which believe, I do not know how it works, but apparently it, it, it's, it creates pollution. I don't know. How? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I have read a little bit about that myself. Um, so I, yeah, I, don't I just really didn't know. get it. I was like, wouldn't an actual mint for making actual money cause more? Yeah, you'd think. I, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody will comment on this and tell us, but it, it is interesting though. Cause we're just, I just wanted to touch on that. Cause I know somebody's going to say something and I just, yeah, I wanted yeah. to bring it up. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's definitely always that and we're destroying the planet. So, you know, yeah, we are. <laughs> in so many different ways. Yeah. And, you know, it's like the person who invented like those coffee pods. Things. Yeah. They were like, I'm really sorry I invented that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry I had that idea because there are now like a billion little plastic cups everywhere. I know. And oh. it, it, that to me just seems stupid because it's like, it's not that hard to load an espresso you know, I so. know. Just grind some coffee. Um, but then there's probably, okay, that's going to be a whole nother environmental issue. Let's not go there. Let's we don't not. have that kind of time. No, but this is super exciting. I love that we're talking before we know what's going to happen because it's sort of like, okay, well, will you take my call in a couple of days if you're a millionaire? Or will you be like, no, I'm above this now. You can, Mar yeah. Ashley there can might have be her five layers. times on the episode. I don't need it. <laughs> There might be a few layers to get to me. Okay. I'll call your people. <laughs> well, no, I was going to, you know, we're doing, um, do you know about Clubhouse? No. So it's an audio app um, and it's an invitation only audio app. So you, you are invited to join and then they have all these chat room discussions on every subject all around the world happening all simultaneously. And it's another thing that's really exploding, but we're doing a clubhouse chat tomorrow, an hour before the launch. Um, okay. So I gonna, can I, can I post that on Instagram? You can post it, but I was going to invite you to join the, I'll, I'll invite oh. you to join clubhouse and I was oh. going to invite you to join the chat. Okay. Um, because we will, you will have had this background um, you'll get more information and also you'll be able to, you know, however it's moderated, I don't know. But um, my friend Susan Kilkenny, who invited me to uh, Clubhouse, she's an old friend. She collects my work and she's the VP at Maxim and oh. is involved in like, uh, there's also an aspect of, of uh, NFTs that relate to video clips of athletes and so you can you can mint and sell all sorts of things there i was hearing the other day that someone was minting colors oh my god <laughs> i want to mint mint can i mint mint or has that been done exactly i'm sure the mint was sold out but, oh damn yeah you you might get persimmon or uh <laughs> periwinkle um, but yeah so i mean it's going all over the place and you know, Yono Mints, who I'm working with, um, their thing is we're a gallery and we and we're we're sort of a way to kind of vet who the artists are because there's right. a lot online and there's a lot of stuff that you look at. A lot of it is not interesting to me because it's like, you know, it's like gamer art or something. Right, right. Yeah. I'm not looking down my nose at, but it's just a particular kind of 
Yeah, it's just work. not your taste, yeah. Well, and it also doesn't have that much relationship to the art world with a capital A. There are, right. people do make prints and people do sell videos and stuff, but you know, it's a different aspect of NFTs. Yeah, it's um, sort of like Yono's doing this like curated version. Right, right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and, and, you know, if you mint it on your own and sell it on your own as a, as a single entity or whatever, not through a gallery or anything, you're probably getting all of the profits. So I'm splitting the profits with the gallery a 50-50. And then when it, the other good thing about NFTs is when they are resold, if and when they're resold, um, you get 10%. I split 10% with the gallery. Okay. So, so if this work continues to get resold, unlike auction, when a piece sells for, you know, $2,000 and then 10 years later, it's worth $50,000. The artist does not see any of those profits, only the collector. Oh, interesting. So this is a built-in way of artists to be able to share in the profits. Um, and also, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's too much money. It's this, it's that. Well, artists have to figure out a way to make money and and to survive and to get their work out there too. Yeah. So, well, that's know, what I thought was kind of cool about it. It's like, well, you know, with, with every, um, you know, advancement, like we didn't all, you know, we used to have to take slides around on our own to galleries. Now you've got Instagram, like, you know, there's always evolution. There's always things that, you know, we can change and evolve and jump on new stuff. And some of it works and some of it doesn't, but. Well, you think back a few years, like I remember maybe 15 years ago, having a discussion with friends of mine who were well-known artists who had a gallery. And I was talking about my website and they're like, we don't need a website. We have a gallery. They have a website. And. Hmm. That was the thinking then, you know, like, oh, well, I don't, my gallery has a website. Well, your gallery has a, an interest in one aspect of your career. They, you know, they're, they're yeah, not they also have 20 other people on that website. Yeah. And they're yeah. not, they, they may have your CV and they may have a lot of your work and they may be your primary gallery for 20 years. You may also show with 10 other galleries or you may also be a free agent and show with whoever you like. So mm. The idea of having a people, and there's always this resistance. I don't want a website. I hate Instagram. I'm not going on Facebook. You know, I know people who have, were proud for years. Like, I don't have a phone. You know, like, I don't need a smartphone. It's like, okay, fine. Like, you know, don't get streaming TV. Keep cable. Keep your landline. Yeah. You know, read a book. Do whatever you want. You know? <laughs> a book. Now, can you explain what a book is? I'm I'm unfamiliar. Um, well, speaking of galleries, that's a very nice little segue into the last thing we were going to talk about. Um, again, with the changing art world and um, galleries having to adapt because it isn't the way that it used to be. Um, that the, an article just came out that Metro Pictures in New York is closing after 40 years. Yes. Yes, I. Um, uh, everyone was kind of like aghast at that. And they were like, oh no, they're closing all their artists. Cause you know, that, they had Cindy Sherman and um, Laurie Simmons and Robert Longo. And you know, they made the careers of a lot of these people and they moved, uh, you can read it on, on Artnet. You could put the link to that. Yeah. Um, but the owners were kind of setting the record straight. Um, and saying like, th th we're not closing because of COVID. We've had some time to really think about things. And when my friends were you know, like, oh, I can't believe they're closing. I'm like, well, 
uh, they're not broke. You know, it's not like yeah. they don't have any money. Um, they're they're just kind of done, it sounded like. Yeah, they were just like, we did this, you know, they said like, we didn't know what we wanted to do with the rest of our lives and there's not that much left, you know, because they started it 40 years ago, probably when they were in their 30s. So they're in their 70s or something now. And they're thinking, okay, do we want to just keep doing this forever or... And they also see that the art world is changing. And they said, we're not sure we're the best equipped to move into that new area. Not that they were judging it. And they even said, like, we want to make clear that we're not like turning our nose up at the changing art world. But we're just thinking like, okay, well, we did that. And that's great. And this is a good time to like, you know, get out. Yeah. And I sort of like, I, I like what you said about, you know, it's almost like passing the torch, right? Like this worked for 40 years. This was, you know, they were, you know, sort of a, a Mecca, you know, for a long time in New York. And then she was talking about, you know, but then art fair started like, you know, like there's been constant change and constant evolution. And I just like that. She was sort of like, well, we're ready to pass the torch. Like this is not. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, when I, before my last major job, I was the art director of us weekly and it was a weekly and it, the schedule was just punishing. And it was during the, you know, tabloid days of, of J-Lo and Brittany and, you know, Paris Hilton. And it, it was the kind of heyday of, of that kind of weekly. And I did 150 issues. Oh. And, um, and that was just like two and a half years or something. And I thought like, okay, I, do I have to keep doing this? Like, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, don't, I think I did this. I think this is, this is done. And, Wait, J-Lo's getting married again? What? Right? It's like, <laughs> Didn't I just do this? I'm not the keeper of the flame. There's somebody else can do this. Like, yeah. I, you know, I, it was fun. And it really was fun to do because it was so breakneck pace. And I was, you know, you're designing covers and redesigning layouts. And, you know, I guess I can take some of the blame for, you know, the Brittany, uh, you know, abuse or whatever because but it's not like us weekly was the only person who was jumping on that bandwagon but um it was selling you know lots of magazines and i was paid a big salary and i said please stop direct depositing all this money in my account i'm going to now stop and be an artist <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's well that's how i sort of felt in advertising too it was just so go 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 um and then i just remember thinking I can't sit in one more meeting being told that this brand X is fresh and irreverent. Every single brief said <laughs> that this client was fresh and irreverent. I'm like, look, you can't all be fresh and irreverent. And I just remember thinking, and scene. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you know, and I loved it for the longest time. It was great in my twenties and thirties. And then I just, you know, I, it's sort of like what those ladies were saying. It's like, you know, there's the rest of my life left. What would I like to do? And that's when Joel's Curator really started. And that's when doing my own art started again, because, um, you know, I loved what I'd done, but I, it was time to love something else. Yeah, I think that that is, I mean, it's a really valid point of, you know, when you're younger and you do something and and people say, hey, you're good at that. And you're like, oh, really? Oh, Oh, thank you. Oh. And so you pour out all your ideas into somebody else's project. Yes. And, and you, you know, things get changed and other people take credit for it or whatever happens. And then at some point you think like, I, I have, my ideas are just as dumb as everybody else's and I can do this for me. I don't have to do this for you forever. Yeah. Well, you uh, know, and that's one thing I, I really admire about you is that like, even what you were saying about, you know, 
jumping onto like Facebook and getting a smartphone. And you're always and exactly why we're having this conversation today about the NFTs is that you are intellectually curious and you're always sort of willing to, you know, look into something and give it a whirl and take a risk. Like, you, you know, it's, it's always sort of, it's fun being your Facebook friend because it's like you have your thumb on the pulse of so many things. Honestly, I had to, um, um, quiet, uh, unfollow, not like, not unfriend you, but like unfollow you the month leading up to the election. I was like, I can't. <laughs> like every 10 minutes it was like breaking this crazy thing is happening. Breaking. I was like, Trey, <laughs> I can't, man. I can't. I don't even live in your country and I'm so stressed out. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I think you did go radio silent there for a while, but yeah, I just could. Well, a few of my American friends who were very plugged into what was happening. Of course you're posting every 10 minutes because stuff was happening every 10 minutes. And I was like, look, I'm not even allowed to vote in this thing. I'm out. Like I can't, but um, no, you're well, always. I use, I use social media, you know, cause I write the blog. I write a daily blog, you know, for world of, for World of Wonders. So yeah. I use that to cross pollinate and to build an audience and to get it shared. And so it's partly a bit of my job. Um, and and they all, I think we've talked about this before too, that you if you're promoting yourself, you should promote and talk about other things 90% of the time and yours 10% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get a following for what you're doing. I mean, it's the same with you. I mean, you're promoting yeah. everybody else's work and, and you're an artist too. And you have books and you have, you do speaking tours and you do stuff. And so you have your own, you know, show going on, but you're more talking about other people's work than your own. Yeah. My, my brand is basically talking about other people. Yeah. But that is, that it is, it gets you in the public sphere. I mean, that's why it's important, I think, for artists to have blogs on their website. And it allows me to add to my blog on my own personal website from the stories that I write for World of Wonder. Right, so yeah. If you go to my website and look at my blog, there's lots of stories, a lot of it's art, some of it's just stupid. But um, that drives a lot of traffic to my site. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, the most popular thing that I ever wrote about was... Mark Wahlberg's giant fake Boogie Nights penis. <laughs> it gets about 20,000 hits or 25,000 hits a year. What? Several thousand hits a month. Oh my God. Can you sell that? Can you mint that? <laughs> I don't know. But it's every time I look at my analytics, I'm like, well, there's Mark Wahlberg's fake penis again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a few other things that were on there that are not necessarily art related, like the Obamas bought, you know, this fabulous house. And then when Fran Lebowitz did the Netflix thing, I had done a post a couple of years before about her apartment, you know, and she talked about her books and her apartment and stuff. So I reposted that and that suddenly when people Google, it's Google search, you know, they Google yeah, search yeah. Fran Lebowitz apartment. And for some reason, my post came up, don't ask me. So you so never, but that's uh, what I like you. Are, I like that you're always sort of like paying attention to what's going on and giving it a whirl. And, and that's why this is so fun because so many people are like, I don't, what is this new thing? And I love that you're trying it tomorrow. 
I'm going to, you can come back. I don't know before this goes out on Friday night. So whenever you know what's going on, you just call me and we'll hop on and record again. And we'll, you're going to be getting hourly texts. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. It's so weird and cool. And yeah, but I, you know, I appreciate you so much coming on and like in your very tray way explaining this because um, I think a lot of people are super curious. I mean, like you said, artists are always trying to figure out a way to, you know, make money and get their art out there. And this would and certainly do on. it. What? <laughs> and keep the lights on. Exactly. And so, you know, if this is, if this works, well, why not? You know, so I'm so interested to see what happens. And um, yeah, this will, there'll be like a little bloop and then you'll be back on here telling us what happened. So this is oh, going to well, be a good episode. Yeah, that that's going to be very interesting. And you'll, we can also talk a little bit too about the discussion on Clubhouse too. Yeah, maybe. that we're we gonna yeah. send you an invitation to that. So okay, um, perfect. Uh, okay. Well, well I know I'll, we can keep talking. You said you had to go in an hour, so yeah. Well, I know you and I could talk for. I know five days. <gasps> maybe we can Would talk. You want to do a straight hour podcast one day, <laughs> like a filibuster? Yeah, we'll just like talk and then like sleep or watch TV together. Like we'll watch Netflix and we can talk about that. And we'll just do it like a like a Warhol thing when he taped the Empire State Building. Uh, I or love it. The State Building. We could just do a twenty four hour, and have friends call in and. That would actually be <laughs> hilarious. Can we do it from? Can that be like part of my residency in Mexico? In Mexico, absolutely. We'll yeah. do it in Spanish. Yeah, and with margaritas, that might help. Although that might make me pass out and go to sleep it'll faster. Be, it'll be like long pauses. Yeah. So shake me awake, dump, dump a bucket of uh, margarita ice on my head. Uh, okay, well, um, I'm going to say talk to you later, but um, really it's going to be in about five seconds when, when people hear the continuation of this conversation. Okay, that's very, very modern. Yeah, it is. It's very hip. Okay, I'm, I'm just as cool seconds. as you. Okay, see you in five seconds. Bye. Okay, bye. And poof, there was our five seconds. It's really actually been, I think, two or three days. <laughs> three days. Okay, so what's going on? So um, we launched on Wednesday. Um, and when you and I talked on this very broadcast yes. <laughs> a few minutes ago, <laughs> yep. um, the Beeple auction, we were amazed. The Beeple was at um, 3 point to 5 million, I think. Yeah. And then on uh, Wednesday, when we were going to launch, I posted an article and um, I checked Christie's and Beeple was at 10.25 million. And I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, crazy town. Well, as the world probably knows now, this is not going to be any earth shattering news, but the Beeple auction broke every kind of expectation and record and um, is was $69 million. <laughs> $69 million um, of not real money of, well, real money, but not cash. You know, right. it was, um, I don't think it was Bitcoin. It was a different coin. It wasn't Ethereum. I think that was an, another coin. But um, so anyway, we launched before that happened. Um, and, and the company that I described earlier, I hope this, I'm saying the same thing, um, is Yono Mints. And they are actually, you know, they're a gallery that the, that the artist doesn't actually need. You can actually mint your own stuff and do it on your own. 
the thing about the gallery was they, uh, uh, the thought behind it was they were getting real world artists to mint these pieces and they were sort of going to test the waters. Right. So we launched and I just watched it sit there all day. <laughs> it was, you know, like a whole lot of nothing. And which is, you know, I, and at the time I was kind of like, okay, well, that's a bomb. But I, at the time, I, I then I started thinking about it. I thought, well, this is what happens at an opening. You have an opening and it's fun. You get all excited and everyone comes and has a glass of wine and says, you're, you're a genius. And then you're like, hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> you're waiting for somebody to buy something. You know, you're like, okay, where, where, where's all my, where's the money? Where's, you know, where's my New York Times article? Um, but this is the case with everything. You know, yeah. this, is art, this is what artists do. You know, expectation kills, you know, any kind of enjoyment. Yes. <laughs> so if you expect something to happen and it doesn't happen, you're bummed. And you're like, well, okay, if I didn't expect that, I wouldn't be bummed. I'd be like, well, we did that thing. And, you know, it, it, it did what it did. Which yeah, is, you know, which I think was what, what I was kind of admiring about you doing it. And, and Yono Mint's doing it too, is like, it's like this weird pool that just showed up and you just dipped your toe in to be like, I, what, I don't know what this pool is. Well, I mean, of course, everyone in the, everyone went nuts on, th- I guess it was Thursday when the Christie's auction ended and it was 69 million. And the sort you know, people were like, Oh, it's sheeple, you know, the, you know, they're, what do they get for it? They're not getting much, whatever. I mean, he made 5,000 pieces of work and this is, you know, 14 years worth of work, 13, 14 years worth of work is, it was a piece of art every day since 2007. Right. Um, so, you know, it, and it's not like they, they got all the artwork because all the artwork was digital. Right. But, so what's going to happen? Does he now get $69 million? Yeah. How? Yeah. Okay. He gets $69 million and brand recognition out the hoo You know, I mean, now he can sell, you know, his own NFTs for whatever. So I don't know what the clause is. I don't know if they own the digital rights to all those images and they can't be sold. Or can he now go back with those 5,000 images and sell them individually right. as NFTs? It's like the guy, what's the artist's name who, who painted uh, the mural at Facebook and instead of getting the money, he got Wong is his name, I think. I don't know. He painted a mural at Facebook and, and they were going to pay him. And he said, you know, just give me stock. <laughs> well, hello. He's like rich beyond belief, you know. Wow. Which at the time, uh, nobody has the crystal ball. He didn't know like, oh, I'm going to be a, like one of the richest artists in the world, which he is. Um, so, and... You know, and, and all the press that talked about people, they said, you know, no Frida Kahlo ever sold for that. No Salvador Dali ever sold for that. You know, they started naming artists that never sold. You know, he's like one of the top selling artists at auction period ever. Wow. Um, and of course, everyone's saying like, oh, it's the Emperor's New Clothes or whatever. But, you know, Rob Gronkowski is now going to mint these trading cards on as NFTs. Um, huh. There are musicians getting involved. There, you know, for all for all we know, I don't know who the buyer was or if they will divulge who the buyer was of Beeple's piece. It could have been Elon Musk to you know prop up the market or Mark Cuban, you know. Right. 
if you're a billionaire, 69 million, you know, it's a lot of money, but paintings have sold for that. So. Well, you know, what's so interesting about it is like, it's, you know, what I was even thinking before we knew how this was going to turn out. It's like, it's one for the history books. You know, it's like, even if this is it, if this is the banana on the wall for 21, um, it's going to be in the history books because it's this crazy thing. Well, well, or it's the beginning you know, of something brand new. Well, Kenny Schachter, you know Kenny Schachter? Yes, that sounds familiar. He's a columnist uh, at Art uh, Artnet News. Okay. And he's also an artist and a collector and sort of a disruptor and kind of like a, a sort of a bad boy that writes whatever the hell he wants because he's got a lot of money. <laughs> um, and he minted, you know, he's, he's behind NFTs. And um, I mean, I could pull up my article. It's you can actually post the article, okay, um, if you want to, or I could read it now. Um, but he uh, so he sold, uh, he minted his grandmother, and sold uh, <laughs> sold his grandmother <laughs> minted. So um, the idea of uh, this is what he says about um, NFTs. Pregnant pause. Yeah. Um, Hashtag sorry drama. For that. No, um, I can't think of this is a quote from Kenny Schachter. Uh, I can't think of anything more divisive than NFTs today. In my three decade long career, I've never seen anything stir up shit and take hold so utterly swiftly. You ignore this movement, and it's nothing less, in parens, at your own expense. Trust me. Hmm. So. And then it says, you know, there's a, there's a thing from Bloomberg that says over the past few months, interest in NFTs has exploded as cryptocurrency gained mainstream acceptance and popular culture cachet. Prices have hit eye-watering heights with total sales totaling 60 million last month versus <laughs> less than 250,000 earlier, a year earlier. Well, add 69 million to that total now. <laughs> More, because that's yeah. just one thing, you know. Yeah. So there's other, every, the other NFTs were exploding at the same time. The Banksy was sold, and I don't right. want to repeat yeah. the entire broadcast that we just did. But um, so anyway, uh, we're, what, what's happened now is, is Yona Mintz has uh, taken the stuff off of Rarible, and they are rethinking their marketing plan and how to get the word out. So oh, okay. the one thing that I think I learned from this was, um, and I think I said this to you in a text, um, that if my pieces, now I'm not equating myself with someone like Jeff Koons, but my, my pieces are quite poppy. And if I had the name Jeff Koons and I posted those uh, NFTs that I made uh, with Yono Mints, they would have sold out. Right. Absolutely, completely. I know they would have sold out. Now, is that because they're better? No, they're the same. It's brand. Yes. So everybody who says, I don't care, I'm going to sit in my house and make a painting and I don't like Instagram and I, you know, NFTs are bullshit and this is the emperor's new clothes and I don't care. That's fine. Go, go right ahead. That's fine. But it's all branding now it's all branding now and if you think artists aren't a brand then you're not paying attention yeah because they are that's what people buy at auction they don't say here's a lovely painting do you like it well we'll <laughs> tell you after you buy it who painted it <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, what, yeah. it's a surprise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I start the bidding at $25? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if you haul it up there and it it, it looks like a, a Kenny Scharf, it's probably a Kenny Scharf or a copy of a Kenny Scharf. Right. Um, but it's been but, like that. Like it's, you know, Andy Warhol was a brand and he got he created that. the idea yeah, of he, the brand. Yeah. He nailed it. And I think, um, but that's what pop art, that's what pop art is. Popular yes. art. What do you, yes. what do you think pop means? So yeah. Uh, before that, it was all the abstract expressionists, and they hated the pop artists. Right. That was just the absolute, they were just, here are these young, stupid, and, uh, you know, you think people bought thought, hey, let me buy a soup can painting. <laughs> the reason all those soup cans are together as a group of, I believe, 32 at MoMA is because his dealer sold two at $100, and then went back to those um collectors and said I, I want i want i'm not selling those to you i want those back so he kept the because they only sold two so he, he said i'm buying it for 30 oh. for 3200 dollars or whatever he paid for it um and now you can see them all in moma otherwise people would have snatched them up and they and of course there are prints now and there are sunday morning b copies of them yeah and, you know you can go on etsy and find any kind of thing and but you know it th they didn't sell um, and I was just looking at a book of mine, uh, this Warhol Factory Years by Nat Finkelstein. And you know, earlier I was talking about you know conceptual art and the line from Duchamp to Warhol. Well, there are photographs of here of Duchamp at the factory of Warhol filming Duchamp. Wow! Oh, so it's like the the, the torch was like li not just figuratively but li literally passed. Right. Um, so there is a direct correlation with all this stuff, but of course people love to just carp about it and say, that money could have gone to, you know, an orphanage or, you know, whatever. And yes, it's true. There's lots of things that people can do with their money, but whoever had $69 million to, to buy digital art um, probably didn't spend all their money. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and they probably have a foundation. Um, so, so for me, it, the lesson kind of was, well, you know, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And it happens with shows, you know, you do shows and you think this is going to be great. Zippo. Right. You have uh, other times you do things and you think like, you know, okay, well, I don't know what's going to happen here. Totally sells out. Everybody goes crazy, you know? Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I was just, um, I, Beverly Fishman's going to be on next week and we were just I was just interviewing her and we were talking about that about like she said you know I know lots of amazing working artists who who are doing gorgeous work and smart work who haven't had that quote-unquote success you know and I said well why do you think that is and she said I have no idea she's like exactly what you said like sometimes this amazing show goes up and just it doesn't resonate or it's the wrong timing or you know, it's like any this, combination. Yeah. Any combination. And who knows, right? And the only thing that you can keep doing is exactly what you do is you keep working and you just keep trying stuff. Like, yeah, well, what, I, you know, you can't, if you don't, then what? I guess you just sit on your couch. Like, you, well, you have to I keep mean, trying. You can't, I don't think you can try to be the next big thing. I don't think anybody tries no, to. No, but you can keep working and keep well, trying to show, you know, keep trying to articulate your ideas. Well, it, it, not keep trying, just do it. Do it. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not, tr it's not trying, it's doing yeah. it. It's like, yeah. 
okay, well, you know, I learned this and that. I mean, they, you know, when Keith Haring had the pop shop, of course they thought he, you know, he was just as hoary as the early pop artists. They thought like, what, you have a shop with t-shirts and prints? And there was a series of drawings made that were made into prints, but the originals are now up for auction at um, Sotheby's. And these were black and white drawings, like, you know, nine by 12. Um, and they're around 95 to $125,000 each. And there's a series of 12 of them, but these were done for the shop, you know? Right. So, and he, you know, you, you can't even find a blow up radiant baby. Those, those sell for like $800. Um, I've sold postcards of Keith for several hundred dollars, just not signed, just postcards. Right. So, so people, you know, who say that, you know, people who poo poo other things, it's like, oh, just go do something else. Like, <laughs> you know, like that, that's just that was not. a very polite way to say it. <laughs> oh, just go do something else. <laughs> Cock a duty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think that, you know, people love to hate the art world in every permutation. Oh yeah, I know. If and especially- sells, If it doesn't sell, if it's, if it's, you know, whatever, they love to trash, you know, especially, and the other weird thing is, you know, when people are successful in music, a lot of times they get a hard time sometimes, but for the most part, they have fans and they're supported by the industry as well as fans. In the art world, if anybody gets even a little bit famous now, people want to chop their legs off and throw them in the road. You know, they, it, it's not allowed. Like, how, how dare you? Like, your work must be crap. You're a it, yeah. Why should we not have art stars? Why should we not hold those up to kids to be, you know, like, people really look up to Keith Haring. I knew him. You know, he's been dead now 31 years. He's been dead as long as he was on the earth. Mm -hmm. um, and so, he, same with Andy. He, he's not a person. It's a myth, you know. It, it, right. You know, it, the people who knew him can kind of think back and remember what their voice sounds like. But, you know, the, those people are are in, in, in the Pantheon. And, you know, a lot of people could also argue that that's why they're in the Pantheon is because they, you know, they stopped making work 30 years ago. So of course it's worth a lot. Right. Um, Maybe we need know. our own Grammys. I mean, you know, they, they, I think they did do the arties and stuff like that. And oh, really? Actually, I was, I was going to do a magazine and I, I really should have done it because I kind of thought of it. I used to be in magazines, you know, and um, it was going to be called Them. And um, there is actually a website now, which is like an LGBT website called them. But it, it was done like um, Us Weekly or People, mm -hmm. but it treated the art world as though it were the celebrities of the world. Right. So it was like, you know, the hottest artists and we're not talking about their work. And, you know, <laughs> like what, you know, what does so-and-so buy? And... Um, I could show you dummy of it. It's still good. I mean, it was really a funny idea. It would have been great. I wanted to get one sponsor for each issue and have it premiere at our Basel. Um, and you it, should still and I, do it. Well, now... You could do it as like an art piece that just do one issue. I mean, you, you sort of could. It sort of made more sense then. Now it's kind of, um, it's almost like it's 
it's happened. So it's right, not, right. It's not, it, it, it wouldn't be as much of a kind of wink, wink. It would be more sort of like, oh, is this out? Can I subscribe 12 times? Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> Gagosian has, you know, their own magazine and, you know, there are these art stars, but, um, you know, it was a way, and, it, and that's kind of a Warhol idea to just take the art world and treat it as though everyone in the world knows who Cindy Sherman is. Right. Of course, everyone in the art world does, but other people would say, like, I think I went to school with her, or, you know, she was yeah. mine. Yeah. Know, I think. But, you so, know, I think that the, the, the nice little moral in that is, like, you know, we should be lifting each other up, not putting each other down. And, you know, there are some really, like, the jealous curator community, for example, are the best people ever. They're so supportive and amazing and lift so many other people up. And wouldn't it be just nice if we were all like that? I think they're horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they might be listening right the, now. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say, I think they're, they're like the opposite of trolls. You know, it's yeah. like the, it, what's the dolls instead of, should we call them dolls? Oh, I like that. Like yeah. The people who like only say good things and want to talk about good stuff, you know, because, you know, what gets clicks and what gets people worked up is, is can be negative stuff. And it's not like you can't talk about and complain about things. Right. But, but in the end, you know, artists have to, um, you know, I mean, for me, I uh, I do think that performing arts just get like way out of whack, compensated and publicity versus the visual arts. Yeah. And just in every sort of way. And that starts in school. You know, that starts when you're a kid, when you're idolizing these people. And it's like, you know, when Keith Haring was around, like at openings, like kids would come, like 10 year old kids would come and they would have him sign things and they would have bought a t-shirt and they were like so into him and he was really great with kids. He did a coloring book and, you know, that kind of inspiration for a younger generation doesn't come along that often. You know, right, I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's kids who like cause, but you know, they, they like sports stars and they like musicians and they like, you know, actors and, you know, artists are way down on the list. Yeah, like, it's true. Ask the average person to name 10. And, you know, after Andy Warhol and Picasso, yeah. <laughs> there's going to be some dead silence. Yeah, you know? no kidding. And I'm not saying people are stupid. It's just that art isn't in their lives as much. So this idea of having art be made into things and be in the world and for people to make NFTs, I... I, I We'll talk about this later, but I'm getting ready to have a drawing show. And uh, I, there's a 10-year-old artist that's going to be in the show with Keith Haring and Andy Warhol and Saul Steinberg and and Oh, other amazing. Um, and, and, and his name is Halo, H-A-E-L-O. He is like a little George Kondo. He just, I, I, I know his grandmother. Um, and she lives with him. His mother is somewhere else, but he she lives with this. He lives with his grandmother and he, she's like, when I suggested doing the show, she's like, oh, I'm so glad you did because there are drawings everywhere. And I, I'm like, you're the archivist, honey. You've got to like- Yeah, that's take, amazing. Take, yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you more about Halo. Maybe maybe you'll even have, an on, have him on or something. Yeah, I, I would love to, because you know, like with my kid's book, like that, this is my whole thing is just like validating it, validating being an artist for kids from the get-go. Yes. You know, and so well, I'm making uh, yeah. a poster for the show 
with his drawings on it. It's the only poster I'm making for the show with just his drawings and the name and the date and the gallery and New York. So he can hang it on his wall. I mean, I'm gonna sell it too, but he can hang it on the wall and then get this abstract idea that I was in, you know, a gallery show. Yeah, and that's like, this will be a fundamental moment in his life that he'll never forget. Well, I think he's, honestly, I think he is some kind of prodigy. prodigy. He was born deaf and they didn't know it. And they, um, you know, had thought he was on the spectrum. He still goes to a special kind of school, but he's a normal kid. Um, he, he has he has some reading skill issues, but in terms of drawing and stuff, I'll I'll, I'll send you a stuff. Yeah, I'd love to see it. it. Yeah, but yeah. It, um, I'll do a post about it. Yeah, it's it, there's a, he draws all these characters, and there's an emotion in the way the characters are portrayed that a ten year old should not understand how it works everybody's Mm. not happy or mad it's like there's there's really something going on there and when that is recognized early on um and nurtured instead of ignored or like be undiscovered you know he could be a major artist at 15 yeah yeah that that's amazing i i just love that so much i think um i think it's so important and, and he he'll never forget you yeah, we never met. We talked on the phone the other day, but um, once I get the show up, it's called All in Line, the show. Okay. And it's based on the title of a Saul Steinberg book from a uh, drawing book from 1949. Okay, but, well, let um, me know all the info and I'll um, I'll do a post when the, the show goes up. And yeah, then. and his poster will be available and drawings will be available too. Awesome. Um, and they're extremely affordable um, and they will go to buying more supplies because I want to get him some canvas and paint and... Uh, see what happens then. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm sure his grandmother's going to be like, you know, it's like buying them a drum kit, you know? Yeah, like, no kidding. Like, oh, thank you so much. Just, just don't buy him like oil paints and... Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> maybe maybe and, something he can wash up. Well, they have a barn. They live in uh, Florida and they have a barn. So I think they can set his studio up in the barn. To oh, that's awesome. Um, but anyway, back to our... Um, to wrap up our NFT discussion, um, you know, people can check it out on Rarible. There's lots of, and there's lots of other sites that sell it. Rarible sells a lot of things and you can go on to Rarible and they will help you mint artwork. So if you want to try this out and mint your own work, I think there's some fees involved. Um, And also there's Yono Mints. There's an application on yonomints.com that if you want them to represent you or you want to submit work, you can go on there and um, and they're taking new submissions. They said they've got, that was another good thing about the launch is they got a lot of really interesting artists interest, you know, uh, sharing their work. Cool. So it, you know, it's an, it's a new territory and um, you know, it doesn't change, it doesn't change the other mediums that you work in. It's not like, you know, you have to say, all right, I'm doing this now. I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, no. And I think, uh, I think it's a really neat moment in, you know, what will become art history one day and like we're part of it. So why not, why not, you know, pay attention and give it a whirl? Yeah. And also yeah. cryptocurrency too. It ties into crypto. This is the other thing I didn't mention. Um, so if you buy a piece at a certain, it's a percentage of Ethereum, the coin Ethereum. Yeah. And if you buy it, say at, you know, $300, and Ethereum goes up in price, the value of the artwork goes up with it because it's tied to Ethereum. Oh. So it's not just the price that you pay for it, it's the price that Ethereum is is at. 
Um, so, so that's another, and also the 10%, you get 10% of the future sales of it as well. So um, I would encourage people to get digital wallets and to explore cryptocurrency. Um, and I was talking to my assistant who, uh, and she said that she had bought, um, you know, some Bitcoin and, you know, I think it's something that people are going to start experimenting with, as we mentioned before, like banks are even interested in it, mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's, you know, through blockchain, it's encrypted in a way that there, you can't have money laundering or right. you know, any, any funny business. So well, poor um, Trump, you won't be able to. Do it. Yeah, there's too there's too much money here involved. For, it's not going to go away tomorrow. That's right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and you can't tell me that Sotheby's isn't pl planning. A, yeah, a, no kidding. Right now. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> well, Trey, you know what? Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we had this conversation, and because I know it's like to me, it's sort of like the Jetsons. I'm like, woo! I don't know what's going on, and it this was so helpful and so well, neat that you were actually not just like talking about it, but like actually doing it and it, it's really cool yeah it, it was all the news this week and i'm sure it's not going to go away next week so you know i'm sure people have already heard this stuff and so th by the time this comes out it might be old news well no it's um, i'm putting this is going up tonight so it's pretty fresh oh okay all right yeah. well yeah it's just happening yeah it's just, um, and, we're in and it you're gonna you're gonna put the links and stuff in there too right yeah I can, I can send you those or you may know them already yeah, I've got them all because I follow you. So I've got everything I need. And so, yeah, this goes up tonight. So it'll be relevant. We're, we've got our finger on the pulse. Exactly. <laughs> and we have to plan a new um, podcast because I, I I need to overtake Martha. I know, I know. No, you've, oh, you've passed Ashley. Martha. It's you, at you. It's Ashley you need to uh, it's my go in the ring My nemesis Ashley Longshore. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, this, I mean, this follow-up kind of counts because you did come back. Yeah. And well, we got we'll to do see. a hey at some point we have to do a halo discussion. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, have an amazing weekend. Thank you for all of this and all of your stories and all of your information. And um, we'll all be watching to see what happens. Yeah, I'll text you later. Okay. Thank okay. you. Bye. Bye. Isn't he hilarious? If anyone could make something non-fungible fun, I knew it would be Trey. So are you more confused now or did that help? <laughs> Would you try it? I don't know if I will. I am so curious if this is going to be a blip or a whole new avenue for artists. I guess time will tell. We'll have to check the art history books. Thank you so much to Trey for sharing his experiment with us and thank you so much for listening. There will be a new episode of Art for Your Ear next weekend and fresh art delivered to your inbox on Monday. See you then.